0: You're listening to Hayes Radio Network. Cannabis
1: lifestyle radio. The Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more.
0: You're listening to Hayes Radio Network. Cannabis lifestyle radio. This is the
1: business of cannabis. The
2: business of cannabis.
1: as always, to the business of cannabis, the best source for all things related to the issues, challenges, and latest business developments in the North American cannabis industry, I am David Skye, and I'll be joined by Matt Cook. And today, uh, I'll be talking to George Jage, who is putting on a rather unique trade show in Las Vegas, which is focused on the building of national cannabis brands, and that show is called MJ Unpacked. It's happening October 21st, 22nd. Uh, Matt and I uh, then talked to Tim Rybal. Uh, Tim is the founder and president of Dispense Technologies. Uh, Dispense is a software platform that is doing some incredibly innovative things in the logistics and delivery field. This show is going to get you thinking about things you may not really have focused on before, uh, the building of a national brand, how to incorporate brands, cannabis brands into your business and also how to make sure the shelves are actually stocked with the products you want. I'm Dave Sky. I'm here with Matt Cook, and this is The Business of Cannabis. <music> so for our first guest, we're pretty excited to be welcoming George Jage. Um, George is one of those uh, people whose resume and accomplishments uh, take a little too long to list, I'm just going to cut, uh, just uh, do the mountaintops here, CEO of Jage Media and MJ Brand Insights, uh, specializing in growing Canada's businesses, George is a recipient of the Jerry Vallon Award for Distinction for Hospitality and Convention, Executive of the Year by University of Nevada, Las Vegas, Also awarded the Nevada Entrepreneur Award by Business Magazine. And then on top of it, named top 20 under 40 by Gourmet News.
0: We're happy to have him on the show. Welcome, George. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, David. It's a pleasure to be here today. And thanks for the very uh, gratuitous introduction. Yes. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, you deserve it. Uh,
1: It's an interesting uh, background. So why don't we start there? Uh, Tell us a bit of uh, give us a bit of an overview of how you have you start, you know, doing all these different things and then ending up focusing on um, cannabis and and the event space. Sure. Which is what we're going to talk about. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Listen, I've been very fortunate. I've had a, a, a pretty interesting path of entrepreneurialism in my life. Um, Probably my first, um, you know, real good paying job was my herbal distribution business in high school and cannabis, uh, high school and college, uh, uh, helping my friends get access to cannabis back in the day. Um, But I was able to get in the trade show industry and it's something I I really fell in love with, um, uh, the opportunity to really kind of help elevate people in an industry, um, you know, connect people who have information to people who are looking to learn um, and really drive commerce. And that can have such an exponential effect on, on communities and people's businesses and the employees that work there and their families. Um, it's, it's a very gratifying uh, business. And it's also, you know, it's an incredibly fun business, um, you know, being able to create the excitement and really serve a, a broad, you know, industry with their needs. And, um, you know, my, my career path Um, You know, I've been able to kind of operate and build trade shows and business media assets in very early stage markets um, that, you know, we're developing and that was in the off price apparel industry and the global tea industry. um, Prior to coming into the cannabis industry in about 2014, um, when I was asked to take over as the president of uh, MMJ business daily at the time. Um, I've I reframed the brands to MJ Biz Daily, MJ BizCon, MJ Biz Magazine. I um, was able to grow that show from you know 20 tabletop you know type of exhibit to an event that has become uh, the biggest event in the industry with well over a thousand you know booths and exhibitors um, in Las Vegas. Cool. Yeah. So let's keep going on that. Uh, I know you're putting together
1: a new event in the cannabis space called MJ Unpacked. Tell us about that and um and the because it's a very unique offering so
0: it is and and you know I've I um you know when I was running MJ BizCon and built that show um you know I I always knew that there was going to be a pretty significant paradigm shift in the market and you know at the time in 2014 and 2015 you know states were just starting to legalize adult use uh cannabis and the market was actually you know people felt like we're really there. We're really at that point in time that over the last 40 or 50 years of of sustained effort of legalizing, you know, the use of a a plant as medicine and even as a recreational activity was actually coming to fruition. But in the early stages of markets, you know, you really need to be able to find the infrastructure, the tools, the software, the systems, Um, honestly, the machine in the corner that goes bing um, for these companies to kind of stand up an operation for their businesses, whether it was a cultivation or retail operation or a brand and extraction, you know, technology business. Uh, But I always knew that that paradigm shift would come, you know, later in, in, in the industry where, um, you know, where cannabis is a CPG industry. It's a consumer packaged goods industry Um, in every consumer packaged goods industry, the biggest or at least the most important show is focused around the brands and the retailers and connecting that last kind of, Relationship before we reach the hero in the journey, which is the consumer. And the only reason that we don't have a national CPG style show for the cannabis industry is because we don't have a national CPG market yet. What we have is a fragmentation of obviously, you know, state, you know, operated markets. Um, you know, businesses that are operating in multiple states are doing through, you know, uh, some type of of corporate structure where they have individualized LLCs in each state market. Each one has their own regulatory structure licensing requirements, reporting requirements, labeling requirements. Um, and it's a very kind of complicated mess, but we're moving really quickly. I mean, like you, with the Senate flipping in January, or January, 2020, um, 2021, and, and Biden taking office, I feel that the industry believes that we're in the best position to see advancement of uh, legalization as a part of a national agenda. Um, there's certainly precedence in other industries of creating interstate commerce packs in advance of that. Um, and with New York, New Jersey, and some of the big powerhouses on the East Coast all legalizing, you already have California connected to Oregon, to Washington, to Nevada. Um, you know, New Mexico can bring it all the way to Colorado, that we can see, you know, interstate commerce where we really start seeing the market behave as a national CPG industry. And we know that all of the, you know, brands and and brand operators and retail operators that have been in the space, you know, are desperately looking for that opportunity to establish themselves into a much more of a national brand um, or a national retail chain. Um, we're truly at the birth of like a post-prohibition where we're going to see the the rise of the Seagrams and the Bacardis and the Anheuser Bushes of cannabis. Um, you know, maybe Anheuser Bush is going to be the Anheuser Bush of cannabis. I don't know yet. But <laughs> yeah. um, you know, this this the, the type of of generational wealth that we expect to see. Um, you know be created in this industry and and not excluding the small independent operators who have you know really put life and limb at, at risk to to operate a cannabis business and bring this medicine and this plant to people to consume safely and legally so wow
1: like your um the name of your trade show nj unpacked there's lots to unpack there mm-hmm. let's step back a bit what do you see is the the impediment or what are the success factors going to be to someone establishing a brand, whether it's national or state or regional, it'll probably be all of the above. Mm -hmm. What, What do you see, rather than saying the impediments, what are the success factors that people should be considering or should be putting in a place now to build to that moment, whenever that moment would be?
0: Sure. And, and i that's always a question that gets kind of discussed about, like, who's the leading national brand right now? And there's certainly companies like Juana, um, you know, it's a select brand. Can, um, who just partnered with, you know, GTI to bring their, you know, cannabis-infused seltzer to 20-plus markets. That, that there's certainly some market leaders, but I don't believe that we actually start the race of who is the biggest national brand until we have a national market. Um, How oh, am Interesting. Really- and what's, what's kind of unusual about the cannabis space, we, I don't know if it's unusual or not, but it's, it's something that needs to be recognized, that the relationship with the consumer lies almost exclusively with the retailer right now. And there's other industries where you can make, you know, you see that, you know, happen and in more mature industries like Whole Foods has a relationship with the consumer in, in that category, right? Like people come to Whole Foods because they are expecting the shopping experience, that they're looking for, and and this belief that they're eating healthier food, which they probably are, um, but in most mature CPG markets, the relationships lives with the brand, and it doesn't right now primarily because of again, each of these states has their own advertising regulations. You know, Facebook and Instagram are constantly sh- you know shadow banning cannabis companies, um, and so um, from advertising, so we don't really have the same type of modalities for companies to. Market their product to a broad consumer audience and build that relationship and that storytelling with the brand. Yet, Um, but they're doing it on a grassroots level. Um, A lot of companies, you know, feel the need to really kind of invest into training the butt tender, which is a often a highly transitory position at the retail, you know, level, um, because the butt tender does have a lot of influence over the new consumer coming into the retail experience. Um, I've seen other brands really successfully partner with. Uh, the retail operators when WANA launched their fast acting gummies in the Colorado market, they did it across the entire, you know, I think it was 20 some stores of native roots. So they could bring the product and do that kind of demo and that, that kind of splash into the market, you know, consistently through multiple retail locations. Um, And we don't see that same type of opportunity. Um, You know, we've got companies like pedal fast that are emerging in California that are, you know, really taking brands to, Um, you know, helping support them with in-store activations and and demonstrations and sales teams and and really kind of building out that kind of brand activation in market, but we still have a long way to go. So it sounds like the challenges,
1: the impediments that you've articulated mean that some of these uh, players who, you know, have to be far more in some ways traditional and creative, they, they can't just spend their way, it sounds like, they can't just bowl their way to the top, mm-hmm. they're going to have to be more, I don't want to use the word authentic, but grassroots is maybe the best
2: word.
0: Well, I think I, I think that if you look at kind of consumer behavior, I mean, we're going to see, you know, kind of the emergence of that kind of mainstream, you know, Anheuser-Busch or Coors or Miller product in the market that's you know, kind of appeals to, you know, an everyday experience. But we're, we also see a lot of behaviors with consumers towards slow food, farm to table, um, you know, buying locally. And uh, I think that that brands also have an opportunity to kind of create these craft, op- you know, craft brands that, you know, have a really strong you know following and a very authentic storytelling in the communities that they're serving. Um, so, so as the market emerges and, you know, again, I ran the largest trade show for the tea industry previously, you know, and specialty tea was only like two or three percent of the entire category when when I launched that show. And when I finished, it was you know eighteen to twenty percent of U.S. sales were for the specialty tea products that were a premium product at a premium price, um, as opposed to kind of just you know the, the everyday Lipton and and Tetleys that you would find in a tea bag. That was going to be my next question. Do you see it following
1: the alcohol model or some of the other specialty models? Because on the alcohol model, it's dominated by a few players multiple multiple brands but you know in in, you know craft beer is maybe five to seven percent very small percentage so how do you see that playing into your vision of uh this shift from uh call it uh retail to brand
0: yeah well you look at i mean you look at a couple of different industries that we get compared to from time to time certainly you know tobacco and alcohol are two of them you know, tobacco is in the business of selling tobacco, right? So they have a couple of different products. It can be chewing tobacco, it can be cigarettes, it can be cigars, um, you know, n- you know, nicotine pouches or whatever. And they're in the nicotine delivery business. Um, the beverage industry, the alcohol industry is in the alcohol delivery business. And you can buy beer, wine, spirits and everything else. And in cannabis, I think that it's much broader than that. Like, I mean, you know, there's transdermal patches. Uh, you're not going to see a transdermal alcohol patch, probably. Right. Uh, <laughs> but you do have that for, for i might try it for. once yeah yeah um you know you have you know powdered form like what Stillwater did with the with the ripple brand which is an amazing product in colorado um and and you start looking at you know they're they're creating like kind of the Mio sport flavors that cure leaf came out with for a, a thc experience um you obviously have gummies and chocolates and and savory foods um and we have shrimp chip uh uh uh, cannabis shrimp chips now um that potley came out with out in the california market so you're seeing them you know this could actually penetrate a number of different categories it can, in, in the food category in the beverage category in the smoking category um you know the sublingual um and tinctures so there's all these different kind of product categories that cannabis really can deliver an experience based on the consumer's um journey and what they what they are looking for right um you know, I love smoking flower, but, you know, it's not always the most convenient thing to do. Um, and, you know, vapes, um, you know, went through, obviously, a, quite a turmoil with, you know, mm-hmm. some of the e-cigarette issues, you know, back a few years back. Um, but, you know, we have the opportunity to to kind of penetrate and disrupt all of these different categories, which I think is really exciting.
1: So we're talking to George uh, Jage of um, Jage Media and MJ... Uh, uh, brand insights, and also the bring um, MGN Pack trade show, which is we should say the date October twenty first and twenty second. Yes, sir. Isn't that right? Yes, At sir. Mandalay Bay Resort Casino in Las Vegas, and this show is for um, we actually haven't talked about that. The it's for uh, those interested in consumer brand uh, branding it on uh, as a as a consumer package good as 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 establishing a brand presence in them. So tell us a bit about the show also and 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 who would be interested going? Who is going to be going and what's going to happen?
0: Yeah. and, and so we actually started launched this company um, and got funded right before the pandemic. So. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it, but that had no impact. It was either the smartest guy or the dumbest <laughs> yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah, that had no impact on the on, on um, events. You know, <laughs> the, the, the nice part—I I shouldn't say the nice part about the pandemic. I don't think there is a nice part about mm-hmm. the pandemic. But you know, for our business, we weren't in a situation where we had to, you know, tell our customers we we're keeping their money, or we had to uh, unravel contracts with hotels and vendors, and and you know explain that we lost 90% of our year over year revenues cuz we didn't have any so um oh, there you go so you're smart you're you're to your ahead of the game timing yeah um so you know what it did give us an opportunity to kind of really innovate we we launched the first virtual trade show for the cannabis industry back in May um and we did a couple of them last year those are very difficult to kind of mirror and mimic the the real experience of, of people just need to be in the same room with people and people that do the same thing as them but as we came out of the pandemic you know we saw the opportunity that we knew our business is built on this destination of, of really creating a natural products expo or a consumer electronics or barn nightclub type of show that's focused on brands and retailers for the cannabis industry because we see this as having the greatest value back to the market to really help accelerate commerce and help us build into a national market so, the things that we really spent some time on over the pandemic during the pandemic is thinking about when we come back to live events, what is going to create success? What do people love about events? What do people hate about events? And how can we build a better event design that really meets the moment? Um, and, and we take that very seriously. And we've obviously all been consumers of events ourselves, going to trade shows and going to conferences in the past. And the first thing that we're doing, and the most important thing, is that we are qualifying every single attendee coming in the room. There's no other national show in the cannabis industry that qualifies their attendees other than on ticket price. And so everybody coming to our show has to be a brand, a cannabis CPG brand or retail executive with the title of manager or hire, or an accredited investor actively investing in the cannabis space. And we feel that connecting the capital to this, to these frontline operators is critical again, at the moment where we are in the cannabis industry. The second thing that we're doing is we're really designing the event to have the productivity of an executive conference. And and the difference between an executive conference and a trade show is that an executive conference, you have the right people in the room and you create the space for them to sit down and have a conversation. Um, It's conversations that drive transactional success. It's not handing out business cards and scanning a badge in the aisle. Um, So, you know, those are the the really kind of key differentiators like we also have um, a number of the top venture capital firms in the space, Entourage Effect Capital, Poseidon, Arcadian, Panther, Kenny Ventures, uh, Silverleaf, um, to name a few that are going to be set up in investor suites at our event that are right on the show floor so they can meet with their portfolio companies and their portfolio investors. They can go and walk out their door and they still have the privacy of their own kind of space, but they can walk out the door and go and engage with the industry and and find out where the deal flow is. Um, We have a money stage so people can pitch from stage to raise capital. We have a main stage that we can really elevate the conversation to next level issues for the industry at an executive level and not try to kind of cater to this one on one entry level content that we see at a lot of national conferences and then on our on our trade show floor we uh, which we call our brand experience hall again looking to meet the moment like i don't feel that you know asking a brand to spend 5 or 6000 dollars just for a 10 by 10 space and then have to spend another 5 to 10000 dollars to build that out is a good investment and i would advise them not to make that investment i don't think many of them do because there's not any value back to them but what we're doing is creating brand showcases as part of our event design that really make our trade show hall feel like a retail experience. And people will be able to see brands from across the entire country in one location that nobody's ever seen before. Wow. And each of these are tech enabled. So you can scan a QR code and you can direct message to brand reps and ask to meet with them right away. You can schedule time on their calendar. You can download product information. And we have some traditional exhibits and, and we kind of create these turnkey experiences to really eliminate a lot of the costs for, you know, companies that have portfolios of brands that are exhibiting. Some of the contract you know, packers that have a license that don't really want to own a brand, but want to manufacture other people's brands are going to be there. Um, and we have a huge meeting space in the middle. I've got a gong coming in from China that's actually uses sacred geometry. It's called the flower of life gong. People can bang when they wow. get a deal uh, done. Who's um, not going to bang? Who doesn't want to bang the gong? Obviously, I right? <laughs> and, and, and do a deal just us for, us for us that. I would you know. call us up to sponsor the gong. <laughs> bang chocolates. Oh, ah, the there you go. Of course. Yeah, I was and, going to sponsor it. But OK, uh, just to kind of throw the icing on the cake about our event and just really kind of set it sounds up fun differently. Um, we are bringing in, um, we are putting the band back together. Um, Dan Aykroyd and Jim Belushi will be performing live at the House of Blues. Uh, wow. Others uh, backed up by the Sacred Hearts Band, which is Jim's band. Um, and they're going to be doing a concert where it's a separate ticketed event exclusively for our attendees. Um, and we're donating 100% of the net proceeds to Last Prisoner Project to help get some people out of jail that are serving time for nonviolent violence. Oh, so great. I was going to ask, like, any fun at this conference? But it sounds like a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> I mean, a gong and a show,
1: so fair enough. i got enough.
0: foosball tables. or shuffling oh, oh, we got okay. a bar set up in the lounge. I've got local musicians coming in to nice. play. Nice. So conference. good. Oh, cool. Yeah. And
1: we could all use a little fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: I'm working with one of our investors. I might be setting up a radio control monster truck course in his investor suite. (laughs) Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, don't tease me. Don't tease me. True story, true story. Um, Yes, talking to George Jage, CEO of Jage Media, MJ Brand Insights, and the organizer of the uh, MJ Unpacked uh, trade show happening October 21, 22 in Vegas at Mandalay Bay. let me ask you one final question, um, I'm, You know, as always, I seem to be running out of time. Um, give me some prediction in terms of time frame, because you're talking about a transition, a very serious, almost seismic change in the industry that's going to happen at some point, and who knows when, where the scale tips towards the brand and away from the retailer. Not yep. that the retailer won't always have a brand; they will. Um, and and on some way, you know what? It just occurred to me as I asked the question: the the more brand, the more brand emerges, the more the retailer can differentiate themselves Correct. in terms of what they offer. So whether I'm offering something for an older crowd, a younger crowd, uh, a different types of products. Because right now, it's kind of cannabis is yep. what I sell. It's hard to differentiate some. So, give me your thoughts on that.
0: Well, I think there's there's a number of big, significant valuation, market expansion activities that are, are queued up right now. Um, the first and, and foremost that needs to happen is the passage of safe banking, um, and, and certainly the repeal of 280 tax code that is very punitive to retail and, and, and brand operators in the cannabis space. And that'll create a tremendous amount of liquidity and allow access to capital at much more normalized terms for our industry. Um, certainly, the the advancement of expungement is important um, as a, a social, um, uh, you know, responsibility for society. But, um, you know, once we start seeing the interstate commerce and the, the federal legalization, some people I've spoken to, you know, believe that this could happen as early as the um, uh, after the midterm elections that we'll have enough state senators, regardless of political affiliation to pass anything that we need to. Because their states are selling cannabis now, and we've seen an expansion of the state markets, and then you know I think that the biggest exciting thing that I think is is going to blow this industry up is going to be the development and kind of uh, uh, maturation of on-premise consumption for cannabis, where you can go to a restaurant and order right. a cannabis right. cocktail or a cannabis iced tea during lunch. Um, You can go to a bar or lounge where you have, you know, the fast acting, you know, uh, technology, um, nano emulsified technology that kind of mirrors that uh, alcohol profile so you can have multiple instances of consumption over the period of an evening with friends. Um, And you know, you might see some smoking lounges, but I think, you know, a lot of this is going to mirror the bar industry and alcohol industry. And and you're going to have, you know, cannabis bars that serve just cannabis. It probably won't see both where you have cannabis and alcohol, but right for this in the future. But so it's conversions. Yeah, that yeah. on premise. I mean, you look at the alcohol industry, $250 billion industry in 2019, 46% was on premise consumption. So we need all of these things to happen. And we're seeing the development of some great the average brands in the cannabis space uh you'll be able to find quite a few of them at our show and um you know i just think that you know we have where you know people like oh we're 25 billion we're 30 billion i'm like this is going to be a 200 billion dollar industry like we're still at the very front right
1: interesting right? well george thank you very much i'm going to stop you there this uh i think we could go on for another half hour uh i want to thank george jage um if you want information on the show um, and you fit into those criteria, it sounds like a pretty cool event. Yep. Um, I want to thank you again for, for, for coming and sharing your expertise.
0: Um, and best of luck with the show. Thanks, David Skye. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show today and I uh, look forward to seeing you there. Thank you very much.
1: business of cannabis is brought to you by cash tech currency products north america's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers cash recyclers smart safes software and services cash tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track manage and secure the cash earned in the dispensary don't take chances with your cash call cash tech and solve the problem visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more This is the business of cannabis. So, welcome back to the business of cannabis. Um, I'd like to introduce our next guest, Tim Ryball. Uh, Tim has had one of the most interesting backgrounds of anyone we've had on the show. He has been in the transport business in some form or another for over 20 years. From mail to cargo planes to furniture, my favorite, to bread-flavored syrups. <laughs> he, he starts his own company in 2015, which is an app that connects businesses with installers and providers of large equipment. That went very well. And then he took that experience and used it to create Dispense, which is a logistics and distribution software platform for the cannabis business. Uh, so, Tim, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Welcome, Tim. Hey, so you've obviously had a very interesting business career to date. So I'm gonna I have to ask like how do you go from delivering bread to the, to delivering a logistics and delivery software platform for <laughs> cannabis? Right. right. No, one I... seems very old school and one's obviously for it's a, a natural transition. Yeah, it's kind of obvious. <laughs> but for those of you who can't figure it out intuitively, how does that
2: work? Right. No, I mean it. has been interesting, and and everything that we've learned, or I that I've learned, is um, through all the you know jobs and uh, you know businesses that we were a part of. You know, there was always one consistent, and that was the struggles of supply chain and the software programs that actually drove the day to day successes of any operation, whether it was from you know delivering bread to grocery stores. Uh, to deliver in treadmills and ellipticals to consumers, you know, direct homes, uh, and, and you know, even mail. You know, when we were doing those type of things, and um, really wh- over the years, what we had found was that you know, s- systems was always complementary to the supply chain and to the you know, the the people that were actually doing the the work um so how we entered this space is you know we knew you know for you know 15 20 years before we jumped into cannabis that every other industry struggled with supply chain management they struggled with implementing in new software programs um you know and this was this is from everything um so we knew like hey well wait a second here here comes this brand new industry that's Really, no one really knows how to, you know, regulate it. How how the compliance, the complexities are. Um, so we we're like, well, let's jump into it and let's solve the supply chain issue, you know, uh, right at the inception and see if we can grow uh, grow this industry, you know, by leaps and bounds and learn from other industries, uh, you know, issues and uh, and then their pitfalls and 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 learn and and have these be successes in cannabis. And really, what we wanted to do was. We wanted to implement an, a good system that was simplified and unified to a, a, an industry that was over-regulated. You know, it was it, it was regulated to a point that it was more than tobacco, more than alcohol. Um, you were gonna have seed to sale tracking systems, point of sale systems, you know, order management systems. They were gonna have just this whole, you know, gamut of, of software programs. And we wanted to be, be one of the, the first you know, out the gate and the leaders uh, to kind of be that regulatory bridge as far as operating, you know, uh, software programs that combined everything into a centralized system. So that's kind of been where we've we've taken, we've taken everything we've learned from other industries and just kind of adopted it and put it into the cannabis space.
1: Neat, um, quick, just jumping on what you said, you said the supply chain issue was sort of where you started. What is that issue?
2: Right. So one of the big things, you know, I'm not not a lot of people really understand, you know, you don't really know supply chain is an issue or that it's such a value need or necessity until you actually have issues with it. And, you know, sprinkle a global pandemic last year and really showed, you know, how, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just how, uh, you know, beneficial a proper supply chain management for anything, you know, whether it be, you know, tissue, toilet, paper, water, anything, you know, these things have to have, you know, an end-to-end supply chain from the, you know, from the manufacturing process to the order process to the logistics side of it, getting out on the shelves and being able to have retailers sell their product out. Um, And that was one of the big consistent things that we'd always seen. And, you know, we knew that this was going to be a hurdle for, um, processors, growers, manufacturers in the cannabis space because uh, of these regulatory complexities where, you know, these guys were coming in as growers, you know, and these, these growers are focused on um, producing, you know, great genetics, you know, great strains, uh, you know, high terpene profiles and, you know, and then still being able to, you know, grow these great products, package these products. And then it was like, okay, now what do I do with it? You know, it wasn't you know as easy as somebody lining up at your door every morning, banging at the door, saying, "Hey, how much product do you have for sale?" Um, you know, these are businesses and business owners that actually had to go out there and hire hire sales staffs and support teams to go out there and push their product. Um, and that you know, that alone is a, is a tough task, you know. And then once you get that product actually sold whether it be through an e-commerce site or, you know, boots on the ground, you know, you know, old school sales reps going into stores and going into retail locations, pushing your product. um, You still have those issues of how do you actually get it there? You know, do you implement and, and build out, you know, an internal distribution and logistics team where now, you know, you're, you're no longer just a grower. You know, you are a full scale distributor of your own product. And with those comes a lot of headaches, you know, it's, it's a lot, it's a big capital investment when you're looking into buying a fleet of vans, um, you know, getting them insured, you know, getting the product insured while it's in transit um, being able to put systems together. So you can optimize routes securely and safely. Um, These are things that, you know, the, the, a new industry really didn't understand until it was actually right in front of them. We're like, Oh, wait a second. These are headaches and these are problems. And if, you know, uh, another company was to come in and, you know, be our third party or be our provider for these services, we would want to make sure that there was some transparency on who's picking what up, when they're picking it up, and, you know, making sure that there were systems that were able to communicate all, every event that was happening going forward. And that's really what drove us to build Dispense. Oh, a lot oh. to take in.
1: Yeah, like,
3: yeah. So I guess, you know, from, you know that. That sounds amazing. So, walk us through what Dispense actually do, does to help uh, with some of those issues in the right. so,
2: so, Dispense is, is really acts as like a centralized operating system that helps uh, distributors and final uh, final mile logistics run more efficient and, and compliant. And uh, we, how we built this was we we mirror imaged the systems that alcohol was using. So, like alcohol's been you know around for you know, over a hundred years now. And these guys have went from, you know, carbon copy paper all the way into, you know, sophisticated systems that cost millions of dollars. Um, So what we did was we looked at how, how alcohol was being ordered and, you know, and how alcohol was being delivered. So what we did was we looked at, you know, well, okay, so how does a, how does a liquor store actually order their product? You know, do they order it directly through each individual brand and are these brands responsible for, their own distribution of it, you know, and we're thinking about it, we're like, well, that doesn't make sense. You know, how How does Jack Daniels deliver it to, you know, over a million liquor stores? Well, they don't, they use the support of a, a centralized distributor mm-hmm. that has systems in place. Well, when we entered into the cannabis space, that mm-hmm. was not the case. It was, you know, manufacturers and processors distributing their own stuff. So you think about it as from a retail perspective, you're like, well, wait a second, that means that I'm getting, you know, anywhere from 80 different brands and over 1,300 SKUs that we stock in our store delivered, you know, uh, at random times by random people. It's There's no, uh, scent, you know, uh, kind of consistency that comes through um, or, or any co- kind of consolidation. So when we implemented in Dispense, working with, you know, licensed distributors and transporters, that was a value add that was, you know, that was adopted very well by by the entire industry. They're like, wait a second. So you're telling me that your system will work with our third party uh, providers, whether it be a distributor or a transporter, and not just work with our brand, but they'll work with several other brands and bring them all to a centralized location, inventory it, uh, manage the fulfillment side of it, manage the payment side of it. And then you'll just take it all to the stores and allow these stores to accept one delivery as opposed to 80 different deliveries from each brand and we're like yeah that's that's the name of the game you know that's what that we you know we're not reinventing the wheel mm-hmm. you know other industries have showed us the way you know like i said before with bread and everything else you know we're just implementing in best practices that other industries have already you know came to the conclusion that they're f- effective and that's really what we've done is is to implement it into the cannabis space so, so you wait, know you,
1: can i it, ask uh, is your is your customer the supplier, uh, producer, distributor. Yeah. yeah so our. Uh, or or the old dis- like the dispensary would need to know this too. Like it's all su-
2: It's
1: yeah. all of them. Okay. Yeah. So Every.
2: So everyone. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. I remember. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> data sales data reconciliation. You know uh, communication. Is vital to every party involved, whether it be a manufacturer looking to schedule a delivery service with a third-party transportation provider, or a, a, a retailer looking to figure out uh, what time their uh, or their orders are going to be arriving at their facility, so that way they can have you know make sure that they're fully staffed to receive this product. In um, you know what we always wanted to do was make sure that there was transparency all across the board, and that was there was communication. Um, throughout each individual party, you know, whether it be, you know, a third party uh, delivery driver, a manufacturer looking for his money that's, you know, off of a delivery or the retailer, just looking to consolidate the, you know, the amount of deliveries they receive on a daily basis. Um, so as we were targeting every, every party involved, as we, you know, we saw a value add um, to their day-to-day operations of, of being able to just implement in a, a, a nice, easy, you um, mobile application that allowed them to be agile you know just like you know what we wanted to do you know we never wanted to be sitting behind a computer you know uh trying to figure out how we deliver out bread or furniture or treadmills and we don't expect any in any of our new current customers in can in the cannabis space to do that same thing you know we know everybody's busy and they 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 wear multiple hats um you know so we always wanted to make sure that they had Instant access to delivery or distribution uh, communications in real time,
1: meaning communicating between each other. Between I each mean, other, yeah. They can literally uh, okay. So I'm a grow. Up, I'm growing. Uh, I've got a distributor. I'm going to ship X amount of product on on Monday at this time, mm-hmm. and we're and we're like emailing or communicating back and forth through your app, yep. and then I'm actually when you are, when you get it when the distributor gets it, what you're actually, you're actually tracking the
2: payment. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. Remember that, that was How one does of the, that, big, work? that was, so that's, that was one of the big things that we, we didn't know until we got into the space, you know, we're, we're thinking, Oh, well maybe they figured it out. You know, and they were like, wait a second, we we're tracking the product, but we also have, you know, have to continue the, the chain of custody because this is a cash-based business in a, on a, in a lot of levels. Um, You know, so if you, you know, your example of being a grower, you know, you're a grower and you need to get your product out out to market. So how do you actually get your product out to market? Do you use a software program like LeafLink to, you know, put your available inventory up there? And then, you know, you have retailers, you know, go onto this platform and order, um, you know, well, that's kind of where that software program stops. It's like, oh, okay, well, we can, you know, provide the communication back and forth on just an order but it's up to you as being the grower to figure out how you're actually going to get that product to, to, to the buyer. Um, what are you going to, you know, stop growing and stop, you know, trimming and watering your, your crop just so you can go take out the sale, you know, because you have to have, you know, capital to, to operate. Or are you going to use the third party uh, to provide these services for you? If you are going to use the third party dispense is, is critical for you because you're going to be able, you're going to want to know, what time they're picking it up. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna want to reduce the amount of email communication saying, hey, uh, you know, hey Tim, I have this order, it's gonna be ready on Tuesday. When can you guys pick it up? You know, and who's gonna pick it up? Who's gonna be my driver? Who what the what's their vehicle information going to be? Um so what Dispense has really done is it's kind of optimized and and streamlined that process of communication saying, hey, you know, all, all I know is, you know, Dave has a, a an order that needs to be picked up. Uh, we have a driver in the area. You know, how soon is it going to be available for pickup? Um, so really, what it was doing is is actually building out efficiencies in on the back end on the manufacturer and the grower supply chain side, you know, kind of pushing them to say, hey, you know, you know that let's get this product out there. If it's ready to go, we can pick it up. You know we have a driver within you know twenty five minutes away or you know we can have somebody there tomorrow at eight am. and then that that just shows a, a better Vision of customer service and brand ambassadorship to to their retail partners or to their buyers is saying, Oh man, I just ordered this product yesterday and it's already here. I can see uh, that being a great
1: enhancement to
2: brand. Like, oh, for sure. How, oh, how for irritated sure. are yeah. you if you order
1: something mm-hmm. and it comes three weeks later and it could yeah. be the greatest product in the world and never order it again?
2: Exactly. And that's what we had seen, you know, there's in, in Colorado specifically, I mean, there were some. Some amazing cannabis brands out there, and uh, a lot of their struggles was, you know, uh, was on the on the fulfillment side, and it wasn't due to the fact that they didn't have access to, um, you know, employer, em- employees that could actually do the fulfillment process. You know, you got to think about all the regulatory uh, procedures that have to go into, you know, the testing, you're waiting on testing. You got to make sure your packaging and your labeling is is compliant. So there's all these underlying things that have to be, you know, uh, uh, addressed prior to you even, you know, just putting your product into a container and shipping it out. Um, so we were seeing, you know, fulfillment times anywhere from, you know, uh, uh, anywhere from seven to 10 days uh, before we launched dispense. You know, oh, wow. Years. Yeah. You know, you, you, really think about it for the fact of a brand standpoint, you know, say you got a sales team out there, you know, driving sales and in the stores trying to push his product in and, you know, they're trying to get all their, you know, their, their POs and their sales in, you know, on a Monday, you know, on that Monday, that, that store could be, you know, almost, you know, dwindling out on product, you know, they could be empty. So, you know, if a seven to 10 day lead time on a turnaround on a, on an order that comes in to be fulfilled, that means, you know, these retailers are losing out on revenues because, you know, their shelves are empty. And we seen that as, as, as a huge issue, you know, on the supply chain side that we needed to address right away. Um, not only that, you know, it was, it was more on, on the payment side as well, you know, because being that, you know, growers and manufacturers, you know, have such high operating expenses, they needed to have access to their payments, you know, uh, immediately, you know, so we wanted to make sure that we gave them an expedited uh, method of of getting their payments back after a delivery has been successful and being able to track that and reconcile who touched what when they touched it, you know, uh, and kind of inventory that for them on the back end. So we adopt, you know, we kind of, Adopted a model of being a uh, uh, an inventory management system as well as a payment reconciliation system, um, and that really opened up a whole another you know set of doors for us you know with financial institutions and banking, uh, you know th- this is data that's never been seen before, you know and you know being that a lot of this is still cash based business you know uh, a lot of banks you know being that it's still federally illegal you know don't like to pay in the space of Uh, of the cannabis industry, just due to the fact that there's, you know, really no, you know, uh, there's no transparency on and there's no data to show what sales have been processed and who's paying who and how much is paying. Um, So that's really been a a benefit and that's something that we've been kind of uh, uh, implementing in on a national level as well.
3: Well, we know that pain all too well, but um, I, I guess, you know, what would some of the, um, telltale signs uh, for a cannabis business um, that they should be looking for to say, hey, um, you know, we should give you guys a call.
2: So, we'll, so some of the things that, you know, when we go out and, and target clients and customers, you know, we're, we're pretty selective on, on brands. You know, one of the big things that we do is we want to work with brands that pump out quality product and consistent, you know, it, uh, we don't really look and, and, and try to find, growers that are you know all solely focused on on the highest percentage of THC uh you know levels in their flower or in their products um we target you know uh we you know we we kind of dive into it a little bit deeper you know we're looking at you know um soil you know how are you growing you know what does your light systems look like you know what is your watering schedules you know how is your you know what's your yield you know what are your test results looking like what's your terpene profiles you know, how, how high are your CBN, your CBGs, your THCA levels in all your product lines? Because what we're doing is we're actually building out, excuse me, building out a database um, of, of strain and genetic specific product lines um, that we can actually start to build out, you know, more um, educational pieces to our consumers, you know, with, you know, right now we look at it as, you know, uh, growers that are looking you know, to grow the highest level of THC product. Well, that's great. You know, but there are consumers, especially here in the Colorado market that have been consuming for over, you know, 12 years legally, um, you know, and they're starting to become like connoisseurs, you know, they're, they're not looking for, you know, and I kind of always refer back to that, you know, uh, alcohol analogy. They're not going into a dispensary looking for Everclear, you know, they're looking for, you know, they're, their their, yep. their brand of choice, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be, you know, a dinner party that they're having that they want to pair well with, you know, pastas, you know, or pizza or whatever it may be. Um, so, you know, we, we as an industry are evolving and adapting into building out, you know, uh, a, a palette for our consumers and being able to provide them product, quality product that could be purchased, you know, uh, throughout the entire you know, retail market, not just in select stores. Um, you know, brands want to be able to have a footprint, you know, you know, in the in the future nationally. But, you know, in, in border locked states, you know, like Colorado or Oklahoma, you know, you can only sell in, in the states that you operate in. Um, so for most brands, uh, they want to be in it, it, have a great footprint all across a, a state, you know, in multiple retailers to maximize the sales revenues all across the board. Um uh,
3: that's a great uh, segue. What states do you currently operate in?
2: So we currently operate in Illinois, Colorado, Oklahoma. Um, we're getting ready to uh, to launch uh, here in the next few months in Arizona, New Mexico, um, and Florida as well. We've uh, kind of dabbled in, in launching into uh, the East Coast markets, uh, New York, uh, Massachusetts, Um, you know, areas of the, you know, right there, you know, our our goal has always been in, uh, you know, to go east, because being on the distribution and logistics side of things, um, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, brands in Colorado, you know, California, when it's federally legal, and, you know, interstate commerce is approved, we want to make sure that we can get these quality brands out to the eastern markets. So that way, our retail partners out there, you know, have access to quality products and quality brands that already have an established customer base. You know, uh, people from the East Coast, you know, come into these you know, legal markets now and they're already knowing kind of what brands they want. You know, they, they, they've tried some things, mm-hmm. they, know, they know what they like, they know what they don't like. Um, and that's really what we want yep, to be yep. able to do as a, as a, as a distribution and software uh, providers, be able to give them access to uh, buying power all across the country when, you know, again, when it's federally legal.
1: Yeah, that that magical moment. Um that, that's the last question. How will your business so what what are you developing over the next 12 months and maybe how how would that change would that change anything? It's federally legal, or is it just means it's just going to be so much bigger, so much
2: Yeah. Well, no. So so and, apparently... and what are you, and what are you doing over
1: the next 12 months? You're like, this will be a different product in twelve months.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, and so what we've been doing is we've been actively working with uh, you know federal lobbyists and stakeholders up in D.C., introducing them to a lot of industry data and, and educating them based off of you know some of these things that they should be looking for. Um, you know, banking is a is a big one, and you guys know well. You know, their financial institutions need communications uh, on who's paying who and who's buying what. And there needs to be a, a system that's industry specific that can move this information to the right parties, and not, and not only just move it, but also secure that information. You know, you don't want to have you know several different hands you know touching a a, a lot of uh, banking and financial information uh, for for customers. Uh, you want to have something that's secure and safe. Um, a lot of the other things that we've been working on too is you know that like I mentioned that interstate commerce being able to work with a lot of these regulatory bodies all across the country, you know, on a state by state cases, um, you know, uh, you know, giving them access to, uh, you know, vehicle inspection reports, driver logs, um, you know, let giving them the communication on, hey, this is what it's going to look like, you know, when federal legalization or descheduling, you know, comes through where you can now provide interstate commerce of product. Well, we're going to have to have a system that's in place that we can communicate with, um state offices that says, hey, you know, you're gonna have, you know, $45 million worth of cannabis traveling through your state during this time. You know, you're gonna have to either probably stop at a port of entry. So that way they can, you know, verify the load, just like every other industry has to go through. um, You know, we would have to in the cannabis space have to evolve to to those regulations and those and those compliance um you know factors. Um I'm gonna have to I'm
1: gonna have to stop you there. I I think we're going to have to have you back on the show because uh, we seem to say to everyone because uh, I've got 10 more questions because uh, this, this is one of those uh, things that what yeah. you guys do, no one, no one starts their business plan talking about their logistics strategy.
2: But <laughs> man,
1: when you have logistics problems, like anything in life, I have to be in point A, I have to go to point B, but I have no time for that. How do I do it? What's the best route? Can someone help me? Maybe yep. someone else can pick the kids up, all that stuff um times 10 because this accelerate this this industry is just accelerating so quick but um so tim i w- thank you very much uh for coming on the show this thank is you tim ryball from dispense uh, i encourage you to go to dispense.com which is d y s p e n s e dispense.com uh for more information um
2: thank thanks very that was really interesting thanks very much thanks, for coming tim. on the show yeah thank you Dave. thanks man
3: Great chatting with you.
1: The business of cannabis is brought to you by CashTech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, CashTech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. So we come to the end of the of the show. Um, I think a couple, uh, two more interesting guests, George. Rachel. Yeah, raises some interesting points about brand and how that's going to transform the industry.
3: Yeah, and I think uh, you and I might differ on this. I think right now uh, cannabis is because it's a, a new industry. Um, I think that it's about creating an experience and um, you know educating people, and eventually it will become. A little bit more commoditized, where people come in and they know what they want, and um, so you know, right now it might be you know the Apple Store, but in the future it might be something more like uh, um, like Walmart uh, in terms of how people consume it. Um, I might be totally. Uh, I wrong would agree. On that. We
1: might we might disagree. I'll agree with that <laughs> because <laughs> that's why I we're so, know, I, we're
3: I, so good together.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the, the, the typical, you know, the roots of, of the cannabis industry, there's a whole craft element to this yep, that I, I don't know that exists in something like alcohol in the same way. Um, but definitely, if you think brand is going to come to the forefront over the next two to three years, you might want to start positioning your business that way. A hundred percent.
3: And I think, I think it will. Um, and even, even if it doesn't become the main reason why people buy your product, it's something you want to do to position yourself for longevity in the industry.
1: And then we, uh, we talked to Tim Ryball, Dispense Technologies, uh, mm-hmm. logistics and uh, delivery, maybe not the most exciting. Not sexy. Not sexy, but. <laughs> it's like
3: infrastructure, not yeah. sexy.
1: But when your building falls, I was just thinking, yeah, if you want to destroy a boring way to destroy your business, then yep. ignore those issues. So that, that was pretty cool.
3: A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, it's one of these things that people don't really give a lot of thought to until there's a problem. Right. right. And I think, um, you know, you can address it upfront before there are problems uh, with, uh, with Tim's solution and um, you, you don't have to look too much um, back in history than uh, maybe last year when, you know, supply chain issues came up in food and toilet paper, and things like that. So, um, you know, it, it definitely addresses some of those uh, potential uh, problems.
1: The business of cannabis has been brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products. Cash Tech Currency Products helps you track, manage, and secure your physical cash at your cannabis dispensaries. Uh, Go to www.cashdeckcurrency.com for more information.
3: And thanks for joining us. Uh, We'll be back next week with uh, a few more guests and uh, which will help you grow your business and your cannabis business and uh, just educate you a little bit more. That's all we're trying to do. Uh, Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week.
1: And this has been... The business of cannabis. The business of cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers, cash recyclers, smart saves, software and services. Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more.
0: Listen to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.